0: Welcome, everyone. I'm Sue Barber, author, former IT director for a Fortune 500 company, turn executive coach, and this is the Visibility Factor podcast, where we explore how to raise your visibility and play bigger at work and in life. We'll explore key topics and welcome guests that help you shift your thinking about yourself so you can see new possibilities for your leadership. I'm on a mission to create a visibility movement for leaders to show their value and be seen for their true talent. Are you ready to take the next step towards a higher level of visibility for yourself? Let's go. Hello everyone. Welcome back to the Visibility Factor podcast. This is Sue Barber, your host. My guest today, Chris Kelso, is here to talk about his book, Overcoming the Imposter. And I'm so thrilled to talk about this. As you guys know, I talk about this topic a lot, but I think it's really interesting that Chris wrote this book coming a little bit from a different perspective than maybe a lot of people might think about. Uh, A lot of people think it's coming from women and Chris is going to be providing the male perspective today. So I'm very excited to have this conversation. Welcome to the show, Chris.
1: Yeah, thank you, Susan. I'm so excited to be here and looking forward to this conversation.
0: Excellent. So if you wouldn't mind doing a a brief introduction of yourself so that everybody can learn a little bit about you and where you come from.
1: Yeah, I have spent the majority of my career as an entrepreneur. Uh, Came from a technology background, but haven't done a lot in tech the last several years Uh, I founded a couple of companies. One was a consulting firm uh, that was focused on IT. Another one was a technology platform company that I co-founded and ran for several years but for the last uh, six or seven years, I've been working independently as a leadership coach and uh, doing leadership development, as well as a lot of public speaking and uh, writing. I, I published a book, as you mentioned, and uh, and so I work primarily with small business owners and their leadership teams, and I just love the work that I get to do and the impact that I get to have when I uh, when I work with those groups.
0: Uh. Yeah, so we have a lot in common coming from IT backgrounds and authors and leadership development. Yes. So yes. Um, all three of my favorite topics. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's start with how you define imposter syndrome. I th- you know, Everybody has their own kind of view of it. I think yeah. it would be good to start there at the base and, and then we'll go from there.
1: Yeah, the, the term imposter syndrome was actually coined in the 1970s Uh, So it's been around for a little while, and it refers to the tendency of many people, it turns out, to overvalue other people's accomplishments and undervalue or even doubt the reality of their own success. And so when when you wrestle with imposter syndrome, you look at someone else. I might look at Susan and say, well, she's successful because... She's smart and savvy and she has a plan and she executes it well and she just seems to make all the right moves and know what she's doing. Whereas my success, on the other hand, has involved a lot of luck and timing and things just happen to go my way. And, and boy, I sure, I sure have made a lot of mistakes along the way that I just somehow managed to figure my way through and, and get over them. But um, the underlying fear is that Sooner or later, somebody or everybody is going to figure out that I really don't know what I'm doing, that that I'm just making it up as I go, and and that if that happens, I'm going to be exposed as a fraud, as an imposter, and 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 then you know the irrational side of it is that if that happens, it's all going to come crumbling down around me, right? I'm I'm going to be undone by this discovery that I'm not really uh, what everybody seems to think that I am.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow, that was an excellent explanation. Uh, I think it's good to use people and help them understand how it really happens in your head, right? Because yeah, you know, to your point, by all accounts, this person is very successful, getting accolades and probably getting promoted, even right. And yes. everybody would say rock star, right? There's no way that that person isn't doing well, but and it definitely happened to me, and I know you and I have kind of talked about that, and it. It was like this invisible challenge, right, that yeah. I had that nobody knew about. And I certainly didn't tell anybody that it was happening for me. So I'm curious, yes. did that happen for you as well?
1: Absolutely. It, it is very much an internal battle. And it's, there's a couple of really interesting things about imposter syndrome that I learned as I began to study it. Before I wrote this book, I spent a couple of years studying this phenomenon. And number one, it's more prevalent among high achievers. So the, the more ambitious you are, the more driven you are, the more you're stretching yourself and trying new things, the more likely you are to run into situations where you feel in over your head, inadequate, ill-prepared, whatever the case may be. And so, um, but but it's also that that internal battle, that fear of other people figuring out that you aren't all that they think you are causes us to withdraw and to sort of suffer in silence in a way. Most people who have imposter syndrome, uh, especially if they haven't heard it really talked about, they think they're the only one. And that's the most mm-hmm. common response I get when I talk to a new group or or to someone who has never really heard or studied this before, is they say, oh my goodness, I thought it was just me. And that's how we all feel. So even though statistically it's more like 70 to 80% of the population experiences imposter syndrome, it the very nature yes. of it makes you feel like you're the only one and you can't tell anybody because telling someone will expose the fact that you have insecurities and that's what that's what you're afraid of. Right,
0: you're trying to hide that situation, right? So I am curious because what I learned and, and I know you quoted kind of the origination of imposter syndrome back in the 70s and I also found the same, yes. right? And, and those studies were originally very focused on women. And I'm yes. curious to see what you, have you seen any research specifically on men and what do you feel like? how do men experience that may be different than women?
1: Mm, yeah. I have seen research on men and women. And um I've read dozens of research studies in in preparation for my book and the speech that I've been giving and um and some of the work that I've done with business leaders around this topic. And so what I've seen is, yes, the early research, it was, it was you know, again, we're going back to the 1970s. Mm-hmm. It was very focused on sort of women in corporate America, women entering the, quote, man's world uh, of business and, and the struggles that women had feeling like they could measure up. But before too long someone figured out that men get insecure too. Mm-hmm. And and more recent studies, many of them have shown that imposter syndrome affects men and women equally. There's no difference in how often, how frequent, or how powerful it is. The, there is a difference though in the willingness to talk about it. And women tend to be more willing to open up and acknowledge it, whereas men are more likely to either... Uh, not even know about it, not acknowledge it, not you know look into it or study it at all, or even when they're confronted with it, to be sort of in denial and not want to talk about that kind of uh, insecurity. It's a it's a vulnerability issue, and women tend to be w- more willing to be vulnerable mm-hmm. with that. Yeah,
0: I've seen the same, and I do think it's true. It it's almost like um, you know, for us, it's in our heads. For women, it's in our heads, and. For men, I think sometimes it shows up in the actions that they take or don't take um, because of mm. those insecurities in their head. What What has your experience been with either clients or people that you're speaking to? Have they given you examples, um, specifically men, about what they've done or how they felt about this? And have you seen a difference between what they see and what women see?
1: You know, I don't know if I've seen a difference in men and women in the in their actions or how it plays out other than that that willingness to sort of confront it and acknowledge it. But um, I definitely have heard many stories and I wrote a, a bunch of stories that were shared with me in the book. Um, of people who self-sabotaged. And, um, you know, what, what happens is you feel insecure, so you worry and you try to wear these masks and play this part that you think people expect you to play. And you do things like, Avoiding uh, risky situations or avoiding taking on a big project or work, avoiding giving a presentation or talking to people or putting yourself in a situation where you feel like you might be exposed. And what happens is that avoidance um, becomes self-sabotage. You You sabotage your own career. And I actually have a story in the book of a guy who was fast rising in a really large company and he was doing great work but he started missing meetings and falling behind on assignments and letting things go and he eventually was fired and he looked back and realized he just he, he did it to himself it was a self-confidence issue because he felt like he was having so much success that he didn't deserve it and that fear of failure that fear of not living up to, to the, the opportunities that he was being given became a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? You convince yourself you're going to fail, so you fail. Mm-hmm. And, and it doesn't have to be that way. But that's where this, this imposter syndrome goes from being just a negative feeling to an actual detrimental holding us back, um, hurting us. It, it creates stress anxiety It affects our sleep, our health. I mean, it it, it affects in so many ways that are far beyond just the psychological battle of feeling insecure.
0: Yeah, well, that's definitely some of my own story with the self-sabotage for sure. And I think it's true, you know, everybody has these thoughts, but they really are just thoughts at that point, right? But it does impact your actions at some point. The longer you have them, the more you Mm. believe them you know, your thoughts are driven by your actions. So that was definitely my story. And I'll just share a little bit about that. And I'm interested to see what I'm going to ask you at the end of that story, which is, so I felt like I should be getting promoted, right? You should want to get promoted. Uh, But I wasn't really interested, I don't believe, in being a part of the senior leadership team. And I didn't see them as Mm. maybe people that I always agreed with, which that's fine, right? You don't always have to agree with the the leadership team. But I think there was a part of it that I was worried I wasn't going to fit in. Like I was different. I looked at people first, mm. results, you know, were also important, but they I felt like only looked at results first, not people. So I felt like, hmm, mm-hmm. am I going to fit in? And so I think some of that impacted my Ability to show up in the best way, my ability to go and present to them in the best way. And I guess I viewed it later after I left the company as a bit of self-protection. And so I'm curious if you've seen anything around like the self-protection side of you're doing something to keep yourself safe and you may not realize it at the time.
1: A, a big theme in my book and, and when I talk about this is the fear of failure, the the that imposter syndrome you know there's a voice inside your head that is trying to convince you that your success isn't real that is sort of telling you this story that um, that failure of any kind even a little mistake is going to be fatal that 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 a failure on your record mm-hmm. is going to mar you and tarnish you and and it's going to be your undoing and so it does push you into that safe space of don't take a risk don't do don't be vulnerable don't do anything that uh that you might not succeed at uh because that failure is going to be detrimental and the truth is that failure is a great learning opportunity and that failure in fact is part of success failure is not the opposite of success it's part of the process of success and mm-hmm. And so the, the mind game that goes on with imposter syndrome is that I, I gotta avoid failure. And, and again, that causes us to be risk averse. And so we self-sabotage. We don't take advantage of those opportunities. We don't take the promotion. We don't get up in front of the group. We don't accept the, the key project or the big client or you know whatever that thing is that yes, there's risk involved, I've developed a mantra um, as I've learned that, that to see failure as a learning opportunity, that failure is learning, and learning is part of the road to success. The, my mantra now is when I try something new, I'm either going to succeed or I'm going to learn. Those are the two options that I have. And, and either one of those is, is a positive outcome. It may not be the outcome I want, but it's, it's a step in the right direction. And so that's really one of the key mindset shifts that I lay out in the book of, uh, around overcoming imposter syndrome is to reframe failure as learning and to allow yourself to take those risks knowing that, yeah, it may not work out the way you hope it works out, but there is at a minimum a great learning opportunity there that's gonna propel you to the next success.
0: Wow, I have so many places I wanna go with that. <laughs> Um, so i'm gonna I'm gonna start here though. Mm. in your research or in the stories that you found in the you know interviewing people for the book, is there something that you found that is like a key moment in someone's life that really starts mm. this imposter syndrome happening for them? because I was trying to think back in my own world, right? Like, when did I really start to lose confidence? Yeah start to doubt myself? Mm. And the only thing I can come up with is that I didn't, I wasn't an IT educated person. Mm. And so I wondered in, you know, looking back on it now, if that is, although by all accounts, everyone's like, you're doing great, Sue, we love you, blah, blah, blah. But I think in my head, I was always thinking, well, I don't have the
1: education for this.
0: Am I I really able to be successful here like
1: they are? Uh, Yeah, there's a number of ways that imposter syndrome can be sort of triggered in, in your life. And one of them is sort of what you've outlined is you, 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 you try something new, you get into sort of new territory and you have a measure of success that feels unwarranted because you didn't do it the way you've seen everybody else do it. Um, when I started my first business, um, I had no business education whatsoever. In fact, I, I don't even have a college degree. I never went to college. And that became a major source of insecurity and fear for me that I worried that one day everybody would figure out that I didn't have a degree and therefore I didn't deserve to be an entrepreneur, to be a business owner, to be a consultant, you know, whatever I was doing. And and so often it's moving into something new and especially having a little bit of success in something new that sort of surprises you can suddenly trigger this feeling of, okay, maybe this is an accident. Maybe I don't deserve this. Uh, maybe I got it illegitimately. But there are, there are other ways it can happen too. Uh, one example, one story that's in the book this, that a woman shared with me um, when she was really young uh, she was the youngest in her family, and all her life, she had people around her who, whenever she struggled with something, they would step in and help. And she even told me she remembered playing with a toy, and it wasn't quite working right, and you know, an older sibling or an aunt or somebody just sort of jumped in and fixed it for her. And so she developed this belief that she couldn't ever do anything on her own. She always needed someone to show her how to do it right. So fast forward years later, she started her own business and she didn't feel like she could start it by herself. So she kept trying to find partners and she partnered with a couple of different people who didn't those partnerships didn't really work out well because they weren't a great fit. And she she finally realized as we were working together and talking about these ideas that that I was reaching for those partnerships, not because they were good partnerships, but because I felt inadequate on my own. I just felt like I couldn't do it by myself. I had to have somebody else to be the expert alongside me. And so she had this aha moment and she started to forge ahead on her own with her business. Now, she still hired consultants and coaches and experts to help her with things. It's not that we don't ever need anybody else's help, but she was able to develop the mindset of, I can figure these things out. I can learn what I need to learn, and I can do it myself. And she recognized that a pattern from her childhood had just put a limiting belief in her that developed into a form of imposter syndrome of, I, I, I can't do it, I'm inadequate on my own.
0: Wow. Isn't that crazy, right? <laughs> like someone's yeah. just trying to help you and has no idea that they've placed yeah. this belief in your head and, you know, would never want to do that to someone. But oh my right. gosh, that's a great story. I mean, I've, I'm glad she was able to see the pattern and be able to move past
1: it. Yes. Yeah. And it's a world of difference now for her that she has gotten mm-hmm. past that mindset. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, one of the things about imposter syndrome, I think, that makes it so tough to connect with others and identify with others is that, though it's very common, it is a unique experience for each person, right? I had imposter syndrome about my lack of a college degree. I've talked to people who have multiple advanced degrees, and they have imposter syndrome for a very different reason, uh, in mm-hmm. fact, some of them think that their degrees open up doors for them that they actually aren't qualified to walk through. That they that they get a job and then they don't really know what they're doing, and they're worried that their degree uh, created a scenario where they're inadequate, which is you know the opposite of the struggle that I had. So, so we each have our own um, reason for feeling like an imposter. It's a common phenomenon with very unique and specific. Uh, implementations, if you will, in each of our mm-hmm. lives. And that can make it hard to identify with people because if I share my insecurity and, and you don't have that insecurity, then I feel like, well, it is just me. But if we can realize that we all wrestle with this comparison trap of trying to measure up to, the, the, to other people's stories and, and trying to be just like the other examples we see around us, rather than appreciating our own unique journey and our own unique story... We can relate together in that struggle. We can connect on the idea that we all can get in our own head and have this mental battle of imposter syndrome that isn't really real. It's just a psychological trap that we fall into.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's sad. 70% of people you know, walking around with it every day, right? And I found the same. And all I can think about is the wasted potential the wasted ideas that are not being shared, yeah. the, you know, just the, I don't know, just the thought processes and things that they're holding in for fear of speaking up in a meeting for fear of saying the wrong thing. It was definitely my experience too. And I think also i introverted. So that didn't help me either (laughs) because I thought all these extroverted people, they know so much more and they just talked more. That's all they did. They talked
1: more. That's another form of, of imposter syndrome is introverts look at extroverts and say, well, they're good leaders and I'm not. And they have something I don't have and I can never be that instead of recognizing that there are different styles of leadership and you can be an introverted you know, sort of the quiet strength style of leader. You don't have to be the bombastic, outgoing, you know, very demonstrative leader that you might see someone else being. And that doesn't mean that they're wrong either. It's just different styles of leadership.
0: Yeah. And for me, it was, I didn't want to be a bragger, right? And I saw those people as someone who bragged. And so, That's why I had to learn how to be visible in my own way. And that's what led me to take my path towards the book, right? There's a lot of overlap, though, I think, between what you're talking about. And it's a whole chapter in my book for a reason, because it's the one thing that I think holds most people back from being visible or speaking up or doing the things that they really want to do to reach their potential.
1: Yeah, we talked earlier about the... the effect that it has individually with that self-sabotage and things we can do, but you also just touched on the effects that it has on society as a whole and and on organizations where we lose out on great ideas. We lose out on talent when people aren't willing to step up and and try something and lean into uh, a craft or a skill that, that they don't feel fully confident in. And so... We lose out when we create environments where people are afraid to acknowledge a weakness or an insecurity um, and where they feel like they ha- they, they're they only allowed to do something that they feel fully vetted and qualified and confident to do. So I think for for leaders, it's really important to create environments and cultures where it's okay to be vulnerable and it's okay to acknowledge that I'd like to try something, but I don't feel fully confident and I want to experiment. And it may not succeed on the first try, but we're going to learn in this process. And that does align with your message of visibility, of you know, helping people to step out of the shadow and to try something and make them feel safe in that experimenting um, to 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 be able to try something new and and either succeed or learn in the process.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you brought up the the manager side of this because I, I think it's very true. You know, you've always got introverts and extroverts on your team and creating that space of safety for someone who's quieter to be able to feel comfortable yeah. and speak up. But then also pi- behind the scenes, encouraging them like, I love what you shared today. Keep doing that. That was amazing, right? Yes. They need to build yes. their confidence up to be able to keep doing it.
1: Yeah, yeah. When I when I talk to leaders, especially of businesses, um, on occasion, I hear someone says, "Well, imposter syndrome is not an issue in our organization. We don't have people that are that are self conscious or or uh, you know are insecure." And I I immediately know some things about that organization. Right. Number one, I know that that leader is 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 out of touch with their people and that that leader has probably created an environment where vulnerability is punished, Mm. where admitting a weakness means you're going to be reprimanded or demoted or, you know, that there's risk in acknowledging a a concern or a fear or a worry or, uh, or just a insecurity because it's 70% or so of the population you just know statistically that there's no way that you have a company of any real size where it's not at play. And so if you're not hearing about it, if you're not talking about it, it probably means people are afraid mm-hmm. to talk about it and it needs to be talked about. Those are the environments where someone needs to speak up and say, this is something we need to discuss and we need to we need to help the people who are struggling in silence to feel comfortable to speak up Talk to a mentor, talk to a manager, talk to a coach. Give them an avenue to process those feelings because what it'll do for them is it'll allow them to reset their perspective. You know, when you when you struggle with imposter syndrome and you struggle in silence, your reality gets warped. You get this, this self-image that is usually so far below what you really are capable of and you do begin to to self-sabotage and to downplay and downgrade your capabilities. And nobody wants their people doing that in their organization. So uh, allowing them to talk through it and making it safe to acknowledge these feelings actually gives people an opportunity to open up and discuss it and then begin to get over it. This is one of the biggest learnings that I that I discovered in my research and study for this mm-hmm. book is that Imposter syndrome is the fear of vulnerability. It's the fear of letting people know who and what you really are. And yet, vulnerability is the antidote. Vulnerability is the solution. If you can open up and talk about what's going on, Mm -hmm. then when you connect with people, it actually builds your confidence. And you start to get, you start to reset that perspective that, you know, my worries are not as big as they seemed inside my head and the, the struggles that I'm facing are not as insurmountable as I thought they were now that I have help now that I have support. And so vulnerability is the antidote. The very thing you fear when you have imposter syndrome is exactly what you need to overcome it.
0: Yeah. Like, let's normalize it and talk about it. And, you know, again, it's taking, I, I kind of view it as your confidence builds when you take action. And so even if those actions are small, um, but it's putting you out of your comfort zone a bit. Yeah, it starts to build your confidence, and to your point, that's what starts to lessen the power that imposter syndrome or yes. your thoughts might have over you. So, I love that you brought that up.
1: Yeah, and that's one of the reasons that I've chosen to to talk about this and to get really open and honest with my journey. And you know, going back to our the beginning of the discussion about men versus women, uh, I felt compelled as a middle class white male American that I needed to write and speak on this topic so that people uh, who were not like me, who assumed that white male Americans did not struggle with this kind of thing, would know that it's not, it's not a woman's problem, it's not a minority problem, it's not a poor person's problem, it's a human problem. And so I felt like I needed to speak up uh, in order to benefit the women who are struggling and think it's just them the minorities who are struggling and think it's just them the you know the less fortunate the less well connected the whatever it is that is different that causes someone to think that they're the only one or they're the only class that deals with this i'm here to say no you're not and i've talked to people on almost every continent i've talked to people from every you know economic class and background and you know all types of uh, job descriptions and ranks and profiles. And I've seen it everywhere. So we need we just need to own it and talk about it. And that's how we begin to overcome it.
0: Wow. I mean, I think to to share the how widespread you have seen it to be, I think is really impactful because it, you know most people see within their own work, Maybe their own home or family, but they don't often realize that it's happening everywhere in so many different ways. So, if you could give the listeners maybe three of your top tips, um, if they've just discovered, you know, maybe even just based on our conversation today, oh my gosh, that's what I have. What do you tell people to do?
1: So, the the way that you overcome it is fairly simple, but simple is not the same as easy. So so I'm not going to pretend that these things are easy, all right? But number one, I talked about the fear of failure. And you've got to see failure differently. You need to see failure as learning. And you need to see failure as not the opposite of success, but as part of the process of success. And I I have a whole chapter and dozens of examples of famous people from Thomas Edison to Babe Ruth to... um, you know, politicians, scientists, all kinds of examples of people who failed their way to success um, to, to try to show that if you fear failure, you're actually going you're, you're gonna to miss out on the success you want because that, the pathway to get there is through failure sometimes. So that's the first mindset shift you've got to make. The second mm-hmm. one, again, we've touched on is this vulnerability piece. You've got to recognize that you need to be connected to people and that you need authentic relationships where vulnerability is the norm. Because vulnerability is what you fear, but it is also the antidote. And I and I talk in the book about how to use vulnerability as a test to figure out whether a community of people is going to serve you or hurt you in terms of your confidence. You can actually... Uh, figure out whether a community is a place where vulnerability is accepted and allowed, and that's going to build your confidence or where vulnerability is punished because that's going to hurt your confidence. That's going to make your imposter syndrome worse. So community can work for you or against you, depending on the level of vulnerability involved. And my third tip Mm -hmm. is related to vulnerability, but it comes from a little bit different angle because one of the symptoms of imposter syndrome is the inability to accept a compliment at face value. Right? What happens is somebody somebody pays us a compliment and we we downplay it or we deflect it or you know my go-to is sarcasm, making a joke about how the bar is low or 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 whatever and I I had this realization that when someone pays you a compliment and you downplay or deflect it, you're actually insulting that person. That, that they've handed you a gift and you've taken the gift and said, eh, it doesn't really mean that much to me, I'm gonna set it over here. And, and, and we would never do that, right? But, but when, you, when you downplay someone's compliment, you're, you're either telling them that they don't know what they're talking about or that their opinion doesn't matter, um, and and so it's it's potentially insulting, and we don't realize we're doing that. We're not trying to be insult, insulting. In fact, sometimes we think we're being humble. False humility and managing your image is really a form of pride, and and it's also detrimental. That's not being authentic either when you're being when you're trying to appear humble. So. What I challenge my uh, community to do, what I challenge uh, my audiences to do when I'm speaking, and what I challenge my readers in the book to do is just to to make a decision that you're going to stop doing that. That when someone pays you a compliment, you're going to just plant your feet, look them in the eye and say, thank you. I worked really hard on that. And it's so good to know that my work is appreciated. Just acknowledge it and own it. I love all three of those tips so, so much because
0: I was definitely that person too. Like, oh, no, it's no big deal, right? Or deflecting, or even the words I would use were very diminishing um, and devaluing to the work that I was doing and my team. So I think that, you know, if nothing else, listeners, please take those three tips to heart because they will make such a difference and really help you to move the needle on how you think about yourself, how you start to show up and how you can show up for your team if you're leading a team. So, Chris, we're going to transition into what I call Rise Up and Be Visible Quick Tips. And these are four questions that I ask everybody at the end of the episode. So the first one, visibility is?
1: Visibility is an important factor in your impact.
0: Wow. Can you speak a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah, that I mean, you? if you're if you're invisible, it's hard to have influence in the room. It's hard to affect the atmosphere, and so the level of visibility that you have uh, puts a limit or is an accelerator to the level of impact that you can have on people around you. Um, mm-hmm. You know, sometimes in in the marketing space and in the, you know, I'm in that sort of uh, speaker, author, thought leader category, and visibility and self-promotion and marketing and stuff can feel like, well, I'm just I'm just trying to pump myself up. I'm trying to, and I've come to the conclusion that no, I need to be visible so that I can have an impact. The more people that know my name, that have heard me, that hear my message, the more people I can affect for good. And it's not about me; it's about the effect I can have on others. So, I think that visibility. Uh, is a critical component that you have to embrace and, and pay attention to and work on if you want to have an impact on the world.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, someone described it to me about being an author, right? You, if you wrote a good book, you have a responsibility to talk about it, yes. to let others know about it, right? If you're not doing that, then why did you even write the book? Yeah. So it was really, a, I hold that dear because I feel like that's something I always think about in a big way when I'm talking about stuff. Okay, second question. How do you yourself show up and be visible?
1: I show up in a lot of different ways. You know, I once heard somebody say that uh, if success is about being in the right place at the right time, then I want to be in a lot of places at a lot of times. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Love that.
1: (laughs) And so... I default to saying yes sometimes to my detriment. Uh, sometimes I, 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 put a few too many things on my calendar and I overcommit a little bit and I'm continuing to work on that, but I, I want to be available and I try to be generous with my time and I, um, and I try to show up for, uh, audiences and opportunities to, to be visible, um, where I can again, so that I can have an impact. Um, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really focused, especially this year, you know, one of the words that I'm thinking about and one of the concepts that I'm focused on is is how can I have a greater impact? Mm
0: -hmm. Love that. All right, the next question. What is the best leadership or career advice you've ever received?
1: You know, this has been said many times and I think it may have been Zig Ziglar that originated this, but uh, the saying goes, if you focus on helping other people get what they want, then you can eventually have everything that you want. And so I have tried, and I've sometimes been more successful at this than other times, but I've tried throughout my career to help first and to think about how I can help you know, the person in front of me or the group in front of me or my clients or the audience that I'm speaking to. How can I benefit them before I worry about how they benefit me? And usually that really pays off in the long run. It doesn't always pay off in the short run but it definitely pays off in the long run.
0: Right, I totally agree. And what is a book you've read recently that you would
1: recommend? Oh, I have a good one, and it's called DIY Brain by Dr. Roger Hall. And it just came out. Uh, Roger Hall is a psychologist, and, um, and he's been a public speaker, and I've actually known him for years. Um, but he wrote this book all about, it's, it's kind of mental hacks, um, how to you know, understand so, uh, enough about brain science to sort of leverage it in your favor and to understand mm-hmm. what's happening when you, for instance, experience stress or when you're trying to remember things. Uh, and so he has all these uh, sort of mental hacks and what he calls mental monkeys that help you to... <laughs> remember things and it's it's a great book not just because i know roger and i think he's a really smart guy but it's a very uh entertaining uh, i laughed as i read it uh <laughs> and and so he he has a great blend of science and humor that makes it fun to read and really really useful
0: wow it sounds very practical too right some good hacks you can apply quickly hopefully for whatever situation you're dealing with
1: yes highly recommended awesome
0: Well, thank you for being here. I would love to just uh, share with the audience where they can reach out to you if they want to learn more about your book, learn more about you and what you're doing.
1: Yeah, I am easy to find online if you remember that my name starts with a K, (laughs) K K-R-I-S, Kelso, K-E-L-S-O. So I'm at chriskelso.com. You can find out about the book at overcomingtheimposter.com. And, uh, and in fact, at, uh, at that site, you can get a free sample chapter of the mm. book. And I think, in my opinion, it's one of the best chapters in the book. Um, we, we did not give away the first chapter where all it does is tell you about the problem and not give you any solutions. It's actually chapter seven, which is a really meaty and valuable chapter with a lot of practical uh, ideas and advice in there. So you can get a free sample at Overcoming the Imposter. Oh
0: my gosh. Well, I love this conversation. Thank you so, so much for being here. And I'll put all the links for all of that in the show notes so everybody can find you. Um, It's just been a pleasure to really reconnect with you and have Mm. this conversation. And I know it's going to help so, so many people. So thank you for being here.
1: You are so welcome. And thanks for having me. I enjoyed this immensely.
0: Of course. All right. Thanks so much for joining us today on The Visibility Factor. And we'll catch you on the next one. Thanks so much for listening to the Visibility Factor podcast. Remember that visibility starts with small steps that are intentional and consistent each day. Be bold, be visible, be the leader you were meant to be. Find us and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Follow us on all of our social media platforms, which are highlighted in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Visibility Factor podcast.